0: I um, have really, really enjoyed this, the series that we've done this year, uh, that we've been working through, the, the Who Are We series. And uh, we've been working through that and um, we started off with what is a Christian, right? What does that mean when we say that? What are we What are we talking about? What does that look like? Uh, and if you remember that, it's going back to February, I think it was, uh, earlier in the year. Um uh, the Bible uses that word disciple. uses the word disciple a lot, right? So, uh, which is very well defined, uh, and uh, and so we talked about that, and then we went through the book of First Peter, because First Peter is a very good practical book, right? Uh, about what does it look like to live life as a Christian, right? And uh, so we went through that, and there were so many cool things that came out of that, and it's amazing God's timing, isn't it? When you go through a book, there would be just something that's happening, and that, that whatever message is that week just speaks to whatever that thing is, you know, and, and God connected a lot of things, a lot of really cool things came out of that. And then we talked about what is a church, right? And, and that, that whole concept of uh, evangelise, baptise, stabilise, right? And getting into that and we'll know we're getting it right when we see people loving God and loving each other, right? Uh, and, and we talked about that and then we, we got into who are we as individuals, right? And um. And um, we talked about um, our identity in Christ and living stones and those kind of things. Uh, and then we we went into the book of um, Ephesians, because it sort of covers both of those, right? Um, it does it does a really good job of the practical practicalities of living life, uh, both as um, uh, individuals, uh, understanding who we are as individuals, but also as a church family. You know, how do, how do we put that into, into play? And um, so that was really cool. So... What we want to do now and really um, right through until almost the close of the year is to start bringing that all together, right? So um, now that we know who we are, right, what do we do with that, right? Um, Like as a church family, what do we do, right? And so the question we're going to be looking at for the next uh, few weeks is um, who do we want to become, right? Who do we want to become? Or probably more importantly, who does God want us to become? Right Who does God want us to be? Uh, and um and I think the best way to do that, one of the best ways to do that, is to go back and and look at the very first church, right, the one that Jesus started. and initially that church was kind of a mobile church, right? It, it moved around the, the, as a group from from place to place uh, and but eventually it ended up being based in Jerusalem uh, and and led by a team that was headed by james after um, after Jesus um, was resurrected. Now, clearly it worked well, this church, right? Because despite massive challenges and persecution and, and all kinds of things that, that happened, the church grew and kept growing and, and it planted other churches and those churches planted other churches and here we are today, right? So, so they did a good job, <laughs> you'd, you'd have to say, right? It, it worked very well. Um, and, um, and so it, it works as a very good model for us, right? Of what, what? does God want us to become, right? What, what are we supposed to look like as a church family? So, um, let's just look at a little bit of background on that church and its development, right? So, it kind of starts as Jesus starts calling out um, disciples, right? Followers, uh, and and he gives them gives them this invitation to follow him, and uh, and he calls out more of them until we have the the twelve. Uh, we call them the twelve disciples or the twelve apostles. Uh, and more, more about that in a minute. Uh, and they would become leaders of this movement that came to be known as The Way, right? They were called Followers of The Way. We talked about that uh, earlier in the year as well. And, um, and they would go on to, to plant various churches, right? James stayed in Jerusalem. Uh, John ended up pastoring a church at Ephesus. Um, Philip pastored a church down in Ethiopia and on and on, right? Um, and uh, so Jesus trained them up Initially, to be elders in that first church in Jerusalem. But the church was more than just those 12, right? Because um, by the time of Luke chapter 10, we see this. It says this um, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. Right? So now we've got these 72 others that Jesus was training up for ministry. So this is a very rapidly growing church, right? And, uh, and Jesus gives them a lot of instructions about how they should operate uh, as a church. And um, uh, and we, you'll see that in you know, Matthew 16 and Matthew 18 um, and, and, and on and on, right? So um, a while later, right, after Jesus' resurrection, uh, he meets the 12 on the shore of Lake Galilee and he instructs them, instructs them to go back to Jerusalem and wait there because their church family is gonna be given God's Holy Spirit to, to help them. And he will give them power—the power they need to carry up uh, the next phase of things, right? And so, um, so they do that. They go back to Jerusalem and they're waiting there. Uh, and um, and while they're waiting there, they see Jesus one more time, right? And then they watch him um, um, depart—you know, uh, disappear up into the clouds. You know, uh, and a pretty amazing uh, thing to see. And then um, we see this. So, Acts chapter one, um, verse number twelve. And it says this, uh, Acts chapter 1, verse number 12. The apostles were at the Mount of Olives when this happened. This is when they met with Jesus the last time, right? Uh, So they walked the half mile back to Jerusalem. Uh, Then they went to the upstairs room of the house where they were staying. Here is the list of those who were present. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas, the son of James. Right, So the other Judas has uh, taken his own life at this point. Um, And so we've got the 11 left. Uh, It says, They all met together um, continually for prayer, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. During this time, uh, on a day when there were about 120 believers present, Peter stood up and addressed them as follows. And, and um, Mark read um, some of what he said this morning, um, what, what Peter had said then, right? So, so now we've got about 120, right? Um, and um, uh, meeting in uh, this upper room. Uh, and so uh, they're meeting there. And then the day of Pentecost comes and Pentecost was like this big national holiday. And so lots of people are back in the country and, and back in Jerusalem to be with their families and to celebrate uh, the holiday, uh, and and suddenly there's this huge roaring sound, and flames appear above the the, the disciples' heads, you know, the, and um and then Peter preaches this fantastic message, and again Mark read some of it uh, this morning, um and he he preaches to this this huge crowd that's that's assembled, um about their sinfulness and about how Jesus is their rescuer. Right. If they'll let him, if they will let him be, uh, Jesus will be their rescuer. Uh, and now, everybody hears this message in their own language, um, and that's kind of lost on us a little bit. But, but back in the Old Testament, God had said uh, a number of times. You, you, you didn't hear the message, so it'll be brought to you with people speaking in a different language, right? And that, that um, prophecy was fulfilled many times, right? If you woke up one day and there's all these uh, foreign soldiers walking through the streets speaking a different language, you'd go, oh, no, <laughs> right? Um, and so uh, they hear people uh, speaking in their own language and all these different foreign languages um, are being taught. And, and so they kind of made this connection there. But anyway, um, they are deeply convicted by the message and by all the things around it right? Uh, um, Scripture says they were cut to the heart, right? They're deeply convicted by it uh, and um, by what they hear. And so in Acts 2, 38, it says this, and Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, right? Or in the authority of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and your children and for all who are far off everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them or encourage them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word, right, who who listened and and heard what he said and accepted it, um, were baptised and there were added that day about 3,000 souls, right? That's a pretty good revival. So uh, the 120 now becomes about 3,120, Right? Uh, and they received God's Holy Spirit who empowers them for the work, which is exactly what um, Jesus had said was going to happen. Um, and so the question that they face then, is, is, uh, which is our question, uh, was this, right? Who do we want to become or who does God want us to become? And the next verse tells us what that looked like, right, how that looked. Um, verse 42, Acts 2, 42, um, very important verse, right? And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching uh, and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. Okay. Um, and so what we see are these kind of four foundational elements here, right, um, uh, that are listed. Everything they did from this point on, right, all the work that they did, right, and in church lingo, we call that ministry, right, Um, doing the work that needs doing to to, uh, get the the truth of Jesus Christ out, right, and we'll talk a little bit about that uh, in a minute as well. Um, As we were praying in the prayer meeting this morning, Eric said something really cool as he was praying, and this just kind of resonated with me, and he he said, um, help us to uh, articulate the beauty uh, of the love of Jesus Christ. I thought, man, that's, that's really cool. So uh, as, they, as they were trying to articulate the love of Jesus Christ, the beauty of the love of Jesus Christ, right, um, it was wrapped around these, these four elements, right, uh, all wrapped around these four things. So let's kind of, um, um, so these are the four things again. Learning the apostles' doctrine. Doctrine means uh, instruction or teaching, right? Um, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayers. Okay. So let's just break each one of those down a little bit and it'll start to make a little bit more sense. Okay. So, first of all, the, the apostles' teaching. Um, and I guess the first question there is what is an apostle? Okay. Uh, what is an apostle? Um, so, the, the Greek word there is apostolos, right? And so, this is a, what we call a transliteration right? So a transliteration is different to a translation, right? So when you're translating a word from one language to another, you, you look at the, the word in, the, in your sort of source language, and then you, you try and find a close match in your target language, right? And, and you use that, that word. Uh, every now and again, we just, instead of doing that, we transliterate. So we just steal their word, but we change the pronunciation of it, right? To make it the way we, we would say it, right? And we do that all the time. Think about words like, uh, in French, they say, restaurant, right? Restaurant. Right, where you go and, 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 and buy a meal, right? And eat a meal, right? We could have translated that and call it like eatery or something like that. But instead we just went, oh, let's just steal their word, right? Restaurant, right? We do it with a lot of French words, don't we? What, what genre of movies do you like watching? You know, park my car in the garage. <laughs> you know, that, that kind of stuff. We just steal words. So this is a, this is a transliteration. We just stole their word, right? And instead of saying apostolos, we say apostles, right? That's just kind of how we do it. But this is what it means, right? This is what the original word means. It meant a delegate, a messenger, one sent forth with orders, or an ambassador. Right? Ambassador is probably the closest uh, meaning. Uh, you know, going from English to from Greek to English uh, to the meaning of this word. Now, if you think about that, just a just a hypothetical story, but but let's just imagine, right? Some rogue politician in New Zealand uh, just makes a statement, and they say. I think we should ban all Canadian tourists from coming to New Zealand, right? I don't know why you'd say that. Canadians are so nice, right? But just just imagine, right, for the sake of that. And so he says that, I, I think we should, we should ban all Canadian tourists from coming to New Zealand, right? And so this ends up in the newspaper, right? Um, you know, MP so-and-so says this, right? And uh, that kind of trickles back to Canada and somebody in the Canadian government reads that and goes, what? What's the deal with that? What do they do? They call in the ambassador right? And they they call on the New Zealand ambassador and go, what is your government's position on this? Right? And the ambassador says, no, look, that's just a rogue politician. Forget that. In fact, we're going to bring in more Canadians or whatever he says, right? But the point is, right? The point is the ambassador has the authority to speak on behalf of the New Zealand government, right? He he has the authority to speak on their behalf, right? We spend a fortune. It's a ridiculous amount of money, uh, taxpayer money, uh, but it's really important to do on making sure our ambassadors have good, secure communication back to Wellington, right? So they're constantly in contact with Wellington. So uh, they have the, the ability to speak on behalf um, of the government, right? So um, if, you, if you think about the, the time that we're reading here in, in Acts chapter 2, uh, this church thing is still new, right? And they, they need to know how to do it, right? They, they need instruction on that the apostles had the authority to speak on behalf of God to give those instructions, right? This is what God wants you to do, right? Now, how do we know they just weren't making it up, right? Well, they, they could do these amazing signs, wonders, and, 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 and miracles, right, to kind of back up that authority. Um, and, um, and you see that all the time when, when God is giving instructions to his people. You see it through Moses, right? Um, there, there were these kind of signs, miracles, and wonders that could back that up. Now, Fortunately for us, the stuff that the apostles said was written down, right? And so we have it all written down in our Bible today. So preachers don't need to do signs, miracles and wonders for us to know if they are teaching with God's authority, because we can just compare what they say with what the Bible says, right? And see if it matches, right? Uh, and, and, uh, and we can check for ourselves. So what does all that mean for, for us at Hukanui? Um, the Apostles' teaching, right? It's written down for us. It means that we place a really, really, really high premium on teaching the Bible as the inspired Word of God, right? From Genesis to Revelation, right? And everything we do, we want to go, what does God say about this? What does God want us to do? Not how do we feel about this or what does our culture kind of say about this, but what does God say about this, right? Um, And... um, It means that we use the Bible to shape us, right? We don't um, shape the Bible to fit our culture, right? We're going to use the Bible to shape us. Um, And that kind of gets tricky sometimes, right? Because you can't just eat ice cream and chocolate all the time, (laughs) right? Uh, I uh, I have to say, as an adult, I eat far less ice cream than 10-year-old me thought that I would. I th- you know I, I, at 10 years old I thought man I can't wait Imagine when I leave home and I don't have my parents saying no more ice cream, I'm just going to eat ice cream like you wouldn't believe right um and um uh but we we know right that that's not good for us that's not good for us um uh it would be easy just to pick out lots of lots of things that we agree with and that um uh, that make us feel good out of the scripture and talk about those and there are some really cool things right uh um, about that, right? You know, just, just the, the idea that you're part of something that's bigger than you, that's bigger than the bookends of your life, that God, you know, about God's salvation and his rescue and but the sense of purpose in life that goes with that and the sense of hope and all of that, right? There's they're just really cool things, right? But we can't just talk about that, right? There is some stuff that's going to convict us. There's some stuff that we will need to change as individuals, uh, and, and as a church family, right? Um, and so we can't just avoid the unpalatable stuff, right? Um, uh, we, we got, if, if we're going to be serious about following the apostles' teachings, right, we have to take it all, right? We can't just um, pick and choose. Um, and, and we're not going to pick and choose. That's always going to be a part of what we do. And, and every one of our ministries is going to be tied around this, right? Um, but the truth is people are starving for the truth right they need to need to hear it whether they um uh you know and, and we're all like this right sometimes you hear the truth and it's not pleasant but you know you kind of needed to hear it <laughs> you know um and um uh I was reading a little bit this week uh when the nazis were carrying out atrocities in in germany in the 1940s for the most part churches stayed silent they just stopped teaching anything that was in the Bible that kind of went against uh, Nazi doctrine. And they just stayed, stayed quiet. Um, one of the guys that didn't stay quiet was this guy, uh, a pastor named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. You may have heard of him. He, he's quoted quite a lot. And uh, he said this. He said, We can't stay silent because the churches are the conscience of the state. Uh, that, was, that was his um, thing. And, uh, um, but like we know, right, most churches did stay silent, and, and, um, and, and we saw the result, right? Uh, and in terms of Bonhoeffer, he was executed by the Nazis in 1945 at, at the age of 39 years old. But we remember him as a hero. We remember him as a hero because he would not stay silent. He would say, the Bible says, the Bible says, right? Um, the primary message of the Bible is salvation, right? That's, that's, that's the primary message, right? God is holy, pure, just, and right in all of His ways. And we sung about that a lot this morning, um, which was so cool, all right? Um, God is, is holy, just, pure, and right in all of His ways, and human beings are sinful in all of our ways, all right? Because a holy, pure, and righteous God loved us so much, He offered His only Son, Jesus, to die on a cross as a sacrifice for our sins, so that any person who believed in Jesus would have eternal life um, through faith in what Jesus has done, right? That's kind of the, the primary message of the Bible. Um, but the secondary message of the Bible, um, uh, secondary message is how to navigate everyday life. Right? A lot of the Bible uh, is about that. Um, navigating everyday life. Um, here's just a few verses, that kind of about that. Psalm 119, 105: God's word is a, a is a lamp to guide my life. Uh, Jeremiah 15: 16: um, God's word is food for my soul. Jeremiah 23: 29 tells us that God's word is like a fire that refines me, uh, and a hammer that breaks up the hard places. Right? Uh, we don't like that one so much, right? But that's that, that's what it does. Um, Ephesians 5.25 tells us God's word is like water that uh, washes away the impurities in my life. Got a weird formatting thing there that's come up. I don't. Anyway, um, and um, 1 Peter 2.2 2 tells us God's word is like milk that nourishes a newborn baby. Okay, so um, the Bible helps us navigate life. Right, That's what it does. And so uh, it needs to be central to everything that we do. Right? Does that make sense? I kind of feel like I'm repeating over and over, but the Bible kind of repeats that over and over, right? Um, and so that's going to be a key tenet as we try to become what God wants us to become. We're always going to go, well, what does the Bible say? You know, uh, That's going to be our, our, our key thing. All right, the next one, fellowship. The Greek word here is koinonia. Uh, and again, I'm surprised we didn't just transliterate this one because it's quite hard to translate, right? There isn't a good English word that kind of covers... Uh, everything that it means. Um, it's found in the, uh, about 20 times in the New Testament. It's translated fellowship about 12 out of those 20 times. Um, uh, but uh, let's have a, just have a look at a couple of verses. This is from First John chapter 1, verse 7 it says this, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son cleanses us from all sin. Okay, so, I've highlighted there in yellow, that's, that's the word corner near. It's translated fellowship there in that verse, right? So it's talking about close relationships, right, in that verse. We have fellowship with one another. We have this this connection, right? Um, and um, uh, that's a really cool part, isn't it, of, of who we are as a church family. I always say this, uh, when you visit a church, you go and visit other churches, often often a key sign of how well the church is functioning is how, well, uh, is how long people hang around afterwards, right? You go to some churches, right, and the sermon's finished and they're gone, right? You can hear the cars almost peeling out in the, in the parking lot and you think, man, this is, that's not good, right? Here, you know, we, we have to kick people out. It's like, don't make me turn the lights on and off, right? <laughs> you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here, right? <laughs> and that's a really good thing, right? Fellowship, right? There's, there's this connection, right? And it, it, it's a very important thing. Um, have a look at this one. This is from Romans chapter fifteen, verse twenty-six. It Says this: For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor uh, for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. So. Uh, Sort of background story here is there'd been a drought down in Jerusalem. Things were really tough, right? Uh, Financially, people were really struggling. And so some of the uh, um, places up in uh, further up towards um, um, Western Asia, uh, had the churches there had collected some money to send down to help them, right? Uh, And it says there um, Macedonia and Kaya, the two provinces uh, up there in, in what's now sort of Turkey, have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. That's the same word, koinonia, right? Um, So as well as fellowship, it can mean uh, contribution, right? It has this idea of contributing to the needs of others. Uh, And then this one, right? Hebrews chapter 13, verse 16 says this, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God, Right? Uh, And the word share there is coin and air, right? Sharing your resources, right? Sharing your resources. So it's this sort of fellowship, it's this connection, connecting relationships, uh, it's contributing, right? Uh, It's sharing resources. uh, And then this one from 2 Corinthians chapter 13 says this the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God. And the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all, amen. Communion there is near, right? So it's not just about connection um, with us, between us. It's about connecting with God as well, right? It's about relationship with God, right? So as well as connecting with each other, it's about um, connection with God too. Um, and so fellowship, this word koinonia, can kind of be defined this way, a closeness, togetherness, caring for and sharing with other people who have united together as a local church family because of their common bond in Jesus, right? Uh, I think that's a good sort of definition of of the word, trying to to define it uh, there in in English, right? Uh, And so this kind of bond between each other and with God and sharing and contributing and all that needs to be a part of what we do and needs to be a part of our ministries if we're gonna be what God wants us to be. If we're gonna look like, uh, a church family that God um, wants us to look like right um, okay, next one breaking of bread now this one's a little bit more tricky to define right a, a bit trickier than than you might think um, acts two forty six in that uh, the same chapter we're looking at it says this, and day by day attending the temple together and breaking breads in their uh, breaking bread in their homes, they receive their food with glad and generous hearts right and so the context in that verse is eating together, right? And there's a couple other verses like that as well. Where the, the, when they're talking about breaking bread, it's talking about eating together. But then we have this one, uh, um, and there are others like it, but this is 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16 and 17. It says this, The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Right. So the context there is definitely talking about the ordinance of the Lord's Supper, right? Which we, you know, ordinance meaning something that Jesus ordered us to do, right? As, as church family, uh, which we 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 just did um, earlier this morning, right? Um, and so it's clearly that. Um, so I think. When you kind of look at this, both of those things, eating together uh, and also participating in the Lord's Supper, are, are important parts of defining who we who we want to be, right? Um, now, this is kind of lost on us a little bit, um, but uh, in the ancient world, and in fact, even in a lot of cultures today, even though eating together and the Lord's Supper are very different things, um, they do share, there's one part of the symbolism that they both do share, and that's this, right? Partaking of the same bread is kind of acknowledging that the same thing that nourishes me, nourishes you, right? Um, and so we put aside all of our, our preferences and we acknowledge that we are unified as one church, one body under the headship of Jesus Christ, right? Uh, there's something very unifying about doing this, right? Um, and, and, but also eating together, even though, like I say, it's a separate thing, there's something important about that too. Like a lot of good conversations happen, happen over meals or coffee, don't they? Like it's a really important thing uh, to do and we, and we don't want to neglect that. All right, last one. Prayer, right? Um, communicating with God. Right? And that means both personally, but also corporately. Uh, Jesus said this um, in uh, matthew twenty one he said said to them it is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer right uh, and he's quoting from the old Testament there right but but we that's what we're we part of what we're meant to be as a as a as a church family a place of prayer right uh it's very, very important to what we do uh for lots of reasons right so it's it's been you know very much a part of what we've been doing this morning uh but also you know Prior to the service, we always have a, a prayer meeting at around 9.30 uh, down there to pray about um, things coming up in the service and and um, and our worship time and our gathering. Um, we have, you know, a men's prayer meeting uh, during the week and a women's prayer meeting um, usually done by Zoom uh, and, um, you know, lots of but – it, but it needs to be a really important part of what we do because um, we can easily – you just get an idea in your head sometimes, eh? And you think, we'll do this right? But that may not be what God wants us to do, right? So we pray. And as we pray, it's amazing how God kind of works and 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 just kind of works on you. You think, yeah, maybe that's not what we should be doing. Well, yes, that definitely is. And, and God kind of works together on us. And it's a very, very important thing. There's a great passage uh, in the Old Testament where um, David's about to uh, go into battle. Uh, and and God says, here's what you do to win this battle. Uh you go up and, and you wait and, and wait in hiding. When you see the whites of their eyes, then you go up and then you attack them and then that's how you, know, how you win the battle. So he does that and that's what happens, right? Later on, almost exactly the same scenario comes up again and David goes, I know how to do this. What we need to do is we go up, we'll wait in hiding, we'll wait to see the whites of their eyes and we go into battle and they go, we better pray about this, right? And they pray about this and God goes, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. It gives them a completely different plan, right? Uh, and, and they were successful, right? Prayer uh, is a connection to God, right? And so as a church family, again, we want to be what God wants us to be, right? We want to do what God wants us to do. Now, we're always going to be in God's Word, right? The, the Apostles' Doctrine, right? We're, we're going to be looking in there and saying, what does God want? But sometimes there's specific things that aren't going to be mentioned, right? You know, do we, do, we, um, do we have a projector or do we have TVs, you know, to get the words up. You know, those, those kind of things, right? It's going to be hard to find a chapter and verse on that, right? What do we do? We pray about that, okay? You know, we pray about things. We want to be bathed in prayer all the time. Uh, that's just kind of a, uh, you know, logistic thing. But there's, you know, there's important things. We want to be praying for each other. Uh, I've used this example before, but um, can anybody tell me what Microsoft shares are worth this morning? Nobody does? Nobody knows? You know what that probably tells me? You don't own any Microsoft shares, right? Probably if you if you own some Microsoft shares, you might have a, a, at least an idea of what they might be worth around this time, right? Because Why? Because you have a vested interest, right? Prayer gives us a vet, vested interest in people's lives. When we pray for them, we have a vested interest in how, how they're doing, right? It connects us. It bonds us as, as a church family as we hand things over to God. It also... Um, you know we know prayer changes things we see that in the scripture all the time right but prayer isn't primarily about changing things prayer is about changing us right making us realize there are some things that you know we like we like the illusion of control we like to think we're in control but we're not really <laughs> you know? uh, and, and it helps us realize that a hand to God what only God uh, can control all right um so we want prayer to be an integral part of what we do. So all of our ministries really want to flow out of these things, want to have these things connected to them. So uh, as an exercise, uh, the, the elders, we went through um, earlier in the year, we looked at all of our different ministries, and we kind of ran them along the bottom. And then we had these, these four things, um, the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer, and then looked at which ministries you know, tick which boxes. Right, and some of them are, you know, uh, will have all of those things. You know, uh, uh, just worship this morning, right? The apostles teaching, fellowship. You know, we're going to be you know, chatting around afterwards, and people have already been doing that beforehand. Uh, breaking of bread, right? Both in terms of the Lord's supper, but also in terms of, you know, coffee and biscuits and and, and that kind of stuff, and prayer. Right. So it, it ticks all of those boxes, and some of them will will tick all of them. Some will tick some of them, and we kind of go through, and then we try to sort of figure out. And this is a little bit subjective, but What's the main one that this that this one facilitates, right? Usually, you base that on how much time was spent on it, you know, as a percentage of the the, the total time, uh, and kind of go through. Uh, and um, that was a really cool exercise because it it, it lets you see: are we, uh, is there any holes? Is there some stuff we're missing? Are we are we eating together enough? Are we are praying enough? Are we, you know, and looking at all the different ministries, but also it kind of lets you. Um, See, are we, are we doing too much of something to the detriment of the others? And actually, we had a pretty good spread. It was pretty good to look at. But we want to kind of keep revisiting that and looking at it and going, are we still, do we still have a good balance um, of these four things? Yep. Um, and so um, that was, you can't read it because it's all tiny writing and stuff, but that's kind of how, what it looked like. Uh, and we went through the, just one of the pages uh, and um, uh, it, was, it was very, very cool. All right, summary. Who do we want to become? Right? We want to become a church family who is characterised by these four things. Right? First of all, the Apostles' teaching. What does the Bible say? All right? Then that's what we're going to do. Yeah, that's going to, be, going to be a key part of everything that we do in all of our ministries. All right, fellowship. Now, it's kind of a cliche. I've sort of said that up there, but it's a good one. We're going to care about each other and we're going to do life together. Right? It's become a real cliche, hasn't it? We're going to do life together, but it is it, it kind of describes it well, isn't it? We're going to be connected. We're going to share. We're going to contribute. We're going to uh, pray for each other, you know, and that sort of stuff. Um, breaking of bread, right? We're going to eat together uh, and we're going to participate in the Lord's Supper together, unified by our, our bond in Christ, right? Um, yeah, like I say, eating together is really important. You, you go through the book of Acts, how often they actually did that. Um, and I, I kind of did that, that exercise years ago with our church family we went through and we hardly ever ate together. We thought, man, that's, that was a big hole, right? Um, and um, so uh, really, really important right? Um, part of, of what we do. And then lastly, we're going to be a people defined by prayer, right? Everything we do is gonna be soaked in it, all right? Because we wanna know what does God want? And, and the other th- good thing about um, prayer like that is you know, we all have preferences. We have things we like, the way they're done. We like them to be done certain ways. But we want to know what's best for the church family, right? And so if we're praying all the time and we're all connected with God, God will put that on us. And It's like, yeah, all right, you might have to you know, compromise on this one because um, this is what's best for the church family, right? Um, and uh, a cool expression that, that I got years ago and, and uh, it's always stuck in my head is hungry man doesn't care about the colour of the tablecloth. All <laughs> right. Uh, if if we we're, we're on track and we're wanting what God wants, there are some things that just aren't going to matter. All right. And um, and so prayer helps us to helps us to get focused like that. Cool. All right. Does that sort of make sense? Right. Who do we want to be, or who does God want us to be? Right. People that follow the apostles' teach, teaching. Uh, people of fellowship. People who break bread together, uh, and people um, soaking in prayer. Yeah. Cool. All Let's uh, let's pray and then. We'll go back to uh, the worship team, Father. We um, yeah, we just thank you for the fact that you have written down for us um, what we need to do. You haven't left us kind of just to kind of fumble blindly, um, Lord. Thank you for our church family and um, and thank you for you know the incredible ministries and uh, that are that are changing lives and eternities, um, Lord. Um, we just really um, want to be a people. Uh, who are doing what you want us to do. Uh, and, uh, but we do thank you for all the massive blessings that come with that. And the, um, I don't know, just the experience of being part of what you're doing in the world. Um, and, and thank you for that. Uh, thank you for um, bearing with us and and being a forgiving God who forgives us when we mess it up and when we don't get it right. Uh, but help us to be a people who connect with you and uh, and stay connected with you so we, we realise when we're, we're not doing it right and, and we make the changes that need to be ch- uh, made, both as individuals and, and as a church family. Lord, um, thank you for a chance to just to worship you this morning, just to uh, praise you and, and think about you. And uh, thank you for that. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>